Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you, Father. We thank you for this word that it will not return void, Father, that it will do what it was sent to do. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So as a man and woman owned a little small sandwich shop, and um, they had been you know, in business for years, and, and one year they got audited by the IRS. And it wasn't like your normal audit. The guy came to their shop and like started going through their books. And, and the owner of the shop said, man, I don't understand. I mean, why are you here? I mean, we, we only made $80,000 last year. He said, well, can you explain to me your, what, what services do you offer? He said, oh, we, it's a small sandwich shop. We, we dine in and take out, and we do some delivery. And he said, but really, we only made $80,000 last year. You're making this a really big deal. And the guy said, well, it's not the $80,000 that bothers me so much. It's, it's the travel. The shop owner said, I don't understand. He said, well, you took six trips to Bermuda and four trips to Jamaica and two trips to Hawaii. And the shop owner said, yeah. And he said, can you explain that? And he said, oh, did I mention we deliver anywhere? (laughs) Um, Yep, it is what it is. Here again, I'll take all the new jokes you got. And Bruce keeps sending me some. I'm going to work some Bruce's in there soon. We we working on it. All right, so what... um, what our title is today is Perspective. In, when we go to, I mean, it's this time of year where we start to look at our life. I mean, wait a minute. It's this time of year when I look at my life and, and what we accomplished in the year past and what we plan to accomplish in the year forward. And sometimes I get bogged down in, man, I didn't do a good enough job last year. And I really should do a better job next year, right? And I'm probably the only one that says, you know, that's it. This year is over. I'm going to do a better job next year. But then when you look at things in perspective, maybe we didn't do so bad. And, you know, perspective comes in, in, in many forms, right? I mean, um, for instance, Caroline and I were driving in the hunting club yesterday. And as I was driving them on the main road in the hunting club, we were running about 55 and Caroline is holding on to the outside and holding on to the dash. And I'm like, we're only running 55. And she was like, yeah, but it looks a lot faster here, <laughs> right? Because in a dirt road, that 55 is pretty quick. Even more, uh, last weekend for part of Caroline and Savannah and Riley's Christmas, um, they got a snow tubing trip to um, Beach Mountain, North Carolina. If you've never been to Beach Mountain, um, I would recommend you go when it's cold and not when it's hot. But anyway, we went and it was, it was warm. But their perspective on speed, if you were driving 40, you look like a raven lunatic. Because those roads go around and around and straight up. I mean, you go from here to straight up there. So our perspective changes depending on the situation we're in, right? Because going down the interstate, 75 feels just fine. Down the dirt road, 55 feels a little bit fast. And then Beach Mountain, North Carolina, 40 is crazy speed, right? And so we have the same perspective in our lives. So we have things that happen in our life, and we compare our life, our everyday life, our mundane run through every day to what people put on Facebook or Instagram or SnapTweet or Twitter or whatever thing that you look at. And what you're looking at is the best moments of their life, and you're comparing them to your mundane every day. And if we didn't learn anything else this morning... Our mundane every day is a whole lot better sometimes than things you don't, right? 
And how much better is our normal, average, everyday praise and worship than what we had to endure this morning, right? Whoo, I need an amen on that, because amen, we have, we have such a talented group of folks, and they do a great job at our praise and worship, and we take that for granted, right? We take it for granted, and that comes back to perspective, because when we have the right kind of perspective, we don't think highly of ourselves than we should, Right? We don't think more lowly of ourselves than we should, but we kind of keep ourselves on plane. And there are a couple stories in the Bible where we, we would talk about some perspective, right? But as we move forward, I mean, we, I mean, I would have think that we ate this week, right? Somebody ate this week. We, we were all wearing clothes that seemed to fit us mostly. We, most of us bathed. I don't know about Stephen. Stephen, did you bathe this week? It was a... It's next week. Okay, it's next week. Stephen will bathe next week. But I mean, we, we have so much that we live, we live in the land of plenty, and we have so many things that God has blessed us with, and we get hung up on the things that we don't have, and that's really a poor perspective. Because you know people, I know people who have make, you know, well above the median income and can't ever have enough. They have no perspective of who they are or where do they come from. And it kind of, it sours them, right? It, it, it's, our perspective sets our mindset and our mindset sets our attitude and our attitude drives our life. So if you have a poor perspective on whatever you have going on, it, it, it taints the rest of your life. So let's talk about perspective. Um, you know, because sometimes people see things and it really is perspective is how you see things, right? Perspective is how you look at whatever the situation is. And sometimes you can be a group of 100 and you have a unique perspective than anybody else in the group. Or 1,000 or 10,000. You could have an individual unique perspective. But when we tie our perspective back to God's word, it really makes us better. So let's turn all the way to where Granddaddy would say our clean part of our Bible. To 1 Samuel... Uh, and we'll start with verse, uh, chapter 17 and verse 4, right? 17, 4, and a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistines' camp, and his height was about nine and a half to 12 feet, depending on how you read it in English and how long it is between here and here. And he had a bronze helmet and wore a coat of scaled armor and 5,000 shekels, and he was big dude, big dude. Eight, and Goliath stood and shouted in the ranks of Israel, why don't you come out and line up for battle? Right? So here is this giant human who physically was impending, right? I mean, it was, it was uncanny. I mean, if you can think about it, he's bigger than them doors back there. I mean, he is, this is a massive part of a man, right? Um, I mean, and, and really the nine, the nine and a half to 12 feet depends on what, what this measurement is and, and what age group and what time frame and what it is now, right? But in perspective, in the physical world, when you looked at Goliath, there was not anybody on the planet who thought, man, I'm going to go out there and whip this dude. Not anybody we know of anyway, right? The perspective was we were looking at the physical. See, there was this other guy, and he was a guy after God's own heart. Uh, and, and, and I don't want to read the whole story, but 
Uh, verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And while he was there talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted the usual defiance, and David heard it. Now, he had been doing this, um, I think somewhere it shows that, but it's, um, it's months. I mean, it's a long time, just not the first day. I mean, he had been doing this for a while. Did I miss that? Oh, it got hot again. So he had been shouting this defiance over and over. And these people have been noticeably beaten down from this guy yelling from across the field. It has changed their entire perspective. They have shrunk so far down to where they can't even imagine going out to face this guy. There is nothing you can do. The old saying is you couldn't melt them and pour them on them, right? You, you can't do anything to make these folks want to go attack. And so David is here and he is day one. It's day one. And he was talking to them, and Gath stepped out, and this defiance of David Herbin. And whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. And now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel, and the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him, right? Anybody. How much does it take? $1,000, $2,000, $10,000. What do you need to go fight this guy? I'm trying to, I, like I said, I just don't want to um, read the whole story. And so verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine for your servant, me, your boy right here, he'll go out and fight him. Now, in perspective, David was not big enough, old enough, or mature enough to be part of the army, right? So, so all of the brothers are out and they are, Military men, they have been trained and they have all of the tools and the stuff and they are part of the army. But in perspective, David is not even big enough, large enough, mature enough, old enough to be part of the army. He's a little kid. And he said, hey, don't worry about it. Your servant, me, this guy, I'm going to go out and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight against the Philistine." You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. <clears throat> so David is saying, hey, look. I mean, Saul is saying, look, you can't even fight this guy. You're a little twerp, and this guy has been trained in military battle since he was a little kid. That's all he's ever done was he just trained for war. That's it. That's all he did. That's all he did. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So David said, your servant has been keeping his father's flock when the lion or bear came and carried sheep off from the flock and went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. And when it turned to me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. So David's perspective was, is that animal ain't no different than those animals. And then if God is for me, who can successfully be against me? Now this, at this time, was a unique perspective. Out of all the folks that are standing in the encampment, not a single one thought that, hey, you know what? I'll go kill him just like I can kill a dog or a bear or a lion or anything else. 
David's perspective was different. Why? Because David knew what God's promises was. David knew that, that if God be for me, who can successfully be against me? You know that perspective hasn't changed? There, God didn't say, if I'm for you, then who can successfully be against you? Except for people named born after, born before. There was no stipulations on that. So our perspective should be the same as David's, that I don't care what's out there. Do you know who? And here's the thing. David was a servant of God, right? He was a, he was a servant. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was a servant. I'm not a servant. I mean, I mean, we, we didn't have no servants. But I mean, if you can imagine growing up, it would be really difficult not to think that yourself high, more higher than the servants, right? Than the folks who tended to you and cleaned up after you. Wait a minute, maybe I did have one, but I think her name was Mama. She did tend to me a lot. That's not the way that looks. I'm, I was teasing. But, but it's hard to think yourself not higher than the servant, right? I mean, in perspective, if you went into a, 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 a king's house and you saw all of his servants and then you saw his children, I mean, wouldn't you mentally put the servants here and the kids here and the king here? I mean, I would. I mean, I think that's kind of how it works out, right? But, I, but I'm a kid. I'm a child. I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm an heir of the living God. So I, even in perspective, in the perspective of King David at this point, at that moment, he was still a servant. And not to be haughty, but I'm a child. I'm an heir. I have been adopted in. See, my, my, my perspective changed when I got saved. It might have not. It should have changed when you got saved. You might not have understood the, 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 the deal that old Jerry Clower joke that mama don't want you messing with the deal she got. That, I don't know if you understood the concept of what the deal you got was. Or how awesome the deal turned out to be. But our perspective should have changed. Because when we were adopted into the family of God. That when we became children of God. Then I guarantee you that nothing the enemy's got against me is going to prosper. Right? So David had a different perspective. He knew that God created him differently. He knew that he worshipped the living God, right? He wasn't like the rest of those folks who was just worried about how big the giant was or how, how loud he was. Or, and so you know the story, right? David said, I'm going to kill you, right? And I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. I'm going to cut off your head with your own sword, right? He took the five stones and he killed him. And then what happened? Everybody, everybody all of a sudden wanted to put David on a pedestal. But he was still very humble. He was still God's servant. His perspective didn't change. He never changed because he knew that that animal that he had fought with the sheep and Goliath were in the same category. It didn't make him any better, any worse, that God helped him through it. All right, so that's perspective number one. So flip to the new part of your Bible. The gospel according to Mark. Talk about some perspective. This is some perspective. Uh, Mark chapter 6. And Jesus left there and went into his hometown. 
And accompanied by his disciples, when the Sabbath day came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What this wisdom has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? See, all of those things are compliments, right? All of those things are, wow, where did he get so smart? When did he learn all this stuff? How did he do these awesome things? But their perspective did not change. Verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense with it. They watched him stand and speak of the mysteries of God and teach in the synagogue and perform miracles. Even then, the perspective of him went back to where he came from. Even after they wa- stood and watched him do it, stood and watched him do it, their perspective of him went right back to where he came from. Wait a minute. Ain't that a carpenter's kid? Ain't that his brothers over there? Who does he think he is? Where he think he from? Ain't he from the same dirt that we from? Don't he wear the same clothes that we? He talks with the same dialect that we talk with? Who exactly does he think he is? See, that perspective... That perspective sometimes gets us in trouble right there. Because of this. If you've been saved... All right. Y'all going to raise your hand today if I ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to act crazy. Just, just help me out. And I think all of it answers. Everybody that's got saved in the last year? None. Yeah, I didn't think so. Last five years? Landon, you've got to be in that boat. You ain't old enough to be left. If you got saved in the last five years? Last 10 years? 20 years? 30 years? 40 years? I mean, some of y'all has got to be getting in the 40-year range. 50 years? 60 years? 70 years, I don't think we got any of them. Miss Cricket, 80 years, 90 years. When would last? So it, 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 here's the problem. Your perspective changes the longer you've been saved. But it ain't for the good. Because the longer you've been saved, the further you get away from the person you used to be. And then when you see somebody act like you used to act, you don't have the same perspective anymore. And it's tough for us to see young and new Christians try to be good Christians because our perspective has changed because I've been going to church for 35 years. I have not missed a Sunday in months or weeks or whatever. I read my Bible every day. I done read the New Testament 35 times. I read the whole Bible twice. That perspective puts you into a haughty position. And you know, Jesus never took a haughty position. I mean, he's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Nothing was created or wasn't created with him. You know, he never acted to people like, I mean, the only place I can even think since the sarcasm in his voice, and I prayed that it was with sarcasm, is when the guy said, if it's possible. And he said, if it's possible? What do you mean, if it's possible? With God, all things are possible. But his perspective, our perspective as saved Christians, we focus on what a good Christian looks like, and sometimes we get bogged down in what we think people should do and how they should act, and we have a hard time remembering how maybe we used to think and act. It's tough on the Christian body because we want everybody to be on our level, and not everybody's been saved as long as we've been saved. 
So we have to have grace and mercy to show like Jesus did, right? Like what the lady did was caught in adultery, and they wanted a stoner, and he said, those without sin cast the first stone, and then he turned his back on them, and he went to draw it in the ground. It's so easy for him to stand in the perspective spot of the, the blameless Lamb of God and say, you're absolutely right. The law says this, the law says that, that's exactly what should take place. But his perspective was from a mercy and grace perspective and a forgiveness perspective. And what did he do? He turned around and pointed their fingers back at them. Without the first, without, he whoever doesn't have any sin, let him throw the first rock. And he didn't say if you'd sinned, you couldn't throw a rock. He just said if you, the person with no sin, let them throw the first rock. So who in the conversation could have thrown the first rock? Him and only him. So he'd have had to throw the first rock if the lady was going to be stoned. But his perspective was of grace and mercy. There was no discussion on whether or not that lady was going to be stoned that day. And then after they left, he turned around and said, where did they all go? Huh, I wonder. Once they started thinking about it, that's that plank in your eye with a speck of dust in your brother's eye. See, when we get the perspective of who we are and where we come from, and we don't think too much of ourselves, and we know that the things that we have are from God, I think they call that grounded. We're grounded. We, we know where we come from. We know who we are. We don't think highly of ourselves. That perspective grows the kingdom of God the best. That is the best soil to grow new Christians. Haughty and judgmental and trying to tell people why they're wrong does not grow Christians. It does not. In fact, what it does is it helps us kill our weak Christians because they feel like they're not worthy. Here's the deal. You want to know true perspective? There ain't a single soul to save that was worthy. Not one. Because if you were worthy, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be an unmerited favor gift. It would have not been something you could earn. It's not something that you can earn. And when you get the perspective that we don't none deserve it, and then you go, well, I might deserve it a little more than them. No, 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 that's the problem. The problem is, is we don't none deserve it. We are all sinners. We have all fallen through by grace. We have all fallen short. And by grace, we have been saved. When you get to that perspective then how can you not want other people to come to the body of Christ? Whether they've been served, saved two weeks, two months, 20 years, 200 years. We have to want the body of Christ to grow. And our perspective has to be that we are helping the body grow. And as we help the body grow, we start to develop new Christians. Not tell people why they're wrong, not tell people how they don't fit in, not worry about how they dress or what they wear or how they act or if they said a bad word. I'll make you raise your hand again, but I'm not going to do it. I don't believe that there's a soul in here that's never said a bad word except for maybe Granny Creek. I'll, I'll give Granny Creek. There's not a soul in here who's not never said a bad word. There's not a soul in here that didn't do something that he should have been ashamed of. Not a soul. And if you say you don't or you haven't, then come up later and I'll pray for you for lying. I promise you, everybody in here has done plenty enough to go to hell. 
but because of the grace of God and our perspective and understanding that Jesus died for our sins while we were still bad to save us from ourselves and save us from the pits of hell, that's what changed us. And the longer we grow and develop and mature, we should act more like Jesus and less like the Pharisees. However, it is really difficult when you know the answer and you're seeing somebody struggle with it, that, it's, that you don't beat them about the head and neck with it. So it's raising kids too, right? Trust me, I've already tried that. No, I want to do it my way. No, really, I know how to do it. No, I want to do it my way. Please just do it like this. No, I want to do it my way. Okay, good. Go ahead. Or it's this, you know, one or the other, A or B. But our perspective as Christians is we should help develop the next generation of Christians. Because if you look backwards to understand that there were generations before us who preached the gospel, who, who did what they were supposed to do to plant a seed in our lives to develop us into who we are, right? So in my perspective, standing in this pulpit, <clears throat> absolutely 100% to honor God, but... Every time I think about it, <clears throat> I'm going to try. I try to act in a way that would honor Stump and Sadie. I mean, that's my perspective, right? <clears throat> that's not a crutch. It's not something that I hide behind. I know that they poured into this so many times into so many folks that that perspective sometimes is humbling to know how many people have been touched by this pulpit? Not, <clears throat> not, not here and now. This happened over the last 30, 40, 50 years that they have done for folks and helped folks and were good witnesses when they didn't have to be. That they went above and beyond. That they set traditions that we still can't break. The perspective there <clears throat> puts me in a situation to where I want to do better because of them. I don't want to hide behind their legacy. I don't want to ride on their legacy. I want to expand their legacy. And every time somebody gets saved out of anybody involved in this, I feel like it expands on that legacy. And it's just not their legacy. It's Mr. Jack and Mr. Guy and Mr. Hoffman and all of the other people that I didn't just mention and, and what they have poured into this church, that perspective really is all striking. It really changes the way, should change the way that what, who you are. Because every time you start a thing that, oh, I'm a self-made man, well, heck, I'm not. Because if it wouldn't have been for the generations before us and the generations before them and the generations before them, well, we would have tea and crumpets at some point in time if we didn't speak Navajo. I mean, there would be some things that have to change. When we start to have good perspective of who we are in Christ, we mature and develop. And when we mature and develop, that does not make us more harsh or more judgy. It makes us less harsh and less judgy and more grace and more grace and more grace and more grace. Because that's how we nurture and grow the body of Christ. It's not by telling them they wrong. Even if you told them they wouldn't believe you. 
Jesus said he went about, the Bible says Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick, and preaching the good news. The good news is not you're going to hell if you don't change. That is not good news to anybody, ever, 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 ever. And that perspective has to change that we're, you have to dress a certain way to come to church. You have to act a certain way to come to church. You have to do this to be part of our church. You have to be that to be part of our church. Well, I'm glad we didn't have those kind of requirements for being saved. I'm glad some man doesn't have the opportunity to decide whether or not I got to be saved or not. I mean, can you imagine having a, some dude that's just, oh, well, you know, William, you had a rough week, buddy. You, you did some stuff you shouldn't have done. I don't think you're going to heaven this week. Maybe try again next week. People have that opinion of what's going on. But we know that we cannot be separated from the love of God. Not height, not depth, not width, not anything. Not angels, not demons, not things seen, not things unseen. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. That perspective should change who you are and how you act. Now, do we still make some mistakes? Sure. Do we still say stuff we shouldn't? Sure. Do we still drive too close to people's trucks and splash mud on them? Sure. Sometimes. <laughs> Ask me at the church, I'll tell you. It was a funny story. It wasn't a crowbar. Fantastic. Does that make us right or wrong? No. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Our perspective is that we are children of God based on His sacrifice and His willingness to accept us how we were. That perspective should set us in a place to where we are thankful, humble, forgiving, and very graceful. Because every time I start to think about how great I am, all i got to think about is how bad I have been and decide mm -mm -mm, how great I am is not a very good story. How blessed I am to have the favor of the living God is wonderful. What I have earned is the pits of hell. The more we understand that, the more rooted and grounded we are in our perspective of who we are and where we come from, it helps grow the body of Christ. So as we go into our new year, not new perspective, just solid perspective. Who we are and where we come from and who we belong to. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to preach the good news. Father, we pray that it will go forth and it will not return void. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.